Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. After weeks of drama and emotion, it's finally race week at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Today, we tie a bow on a his- another historic year of qualifications. Then we turn our attention to the greatest spectacle in racing. Uh, we're going to be breaking down the entire field and giving our predictions for the 107th Indianapolis 500. Hope you enjoy it. We've got a jam-packed show for you guys today. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to really get into the weeds and dive in to this race because uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun watching this on Sunday. Now, quick, before we get going, we're not going to spend a whole time, a whole lot of time, you know, kind of you know, giving our opening banter before we get into things. But first, we want to wish Stefan Wilson a speedy recovery as, uh, you know, that was a scary practice crash uh, on, uh, you know, just the other day. Um, And so hopefully he gets better. Um, And also, I mean, interesting things as they unfold. I mean, that's the, the emotion of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is encapsulated in Graham Rahal with his head in his hands on Sunday afternoon after failing to qualify a a crazy storyline that is we'll get into that a little bit later on in the podcast but then a few days later as as fate would have it you know you have mixed feelings because you don't want to see obviously Stefan get be moved out of the race because of this but he now Graham Ray Hall back into it it just encapsulates uh the emotion that May brings uh to Indianapolis yeah I mean I, I, I just it's it's so interesting this what qualifying does at this speedway I mean we've seen numerous times big names typically you think it's going to be the smaller names from the smaller teams that are going to be left on the outside looking in but man we have seen time and time again big names either getting completely bumped out or having to get their have to bump their way in whether it be Marco Andretti bumping his way in on his last attempt uh, several years ago. I, I don't remember the exact year right. I was there, but I don't remember the exact year. Um, it was, it was year many Will years Power ago. Will Power almost got bumped. And it was the year Dan Weldon won his second Indy 500. Uh, or whether it was James... It was, or whether it was James Hinchcliffe, a year removed from winning the pole for the Indy 500, not making the show. Or whether it was Fernando Alonso not making the show. I mean, it, 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 the list just goes on. And for this year to be Graham Rahal, who has had some success here at Indy, um, what was definitely kind of, kind of a shocker. Um, but you know, all the rumblings of Graham Rahal potentially leaving or wanting, looking at potentially leaving uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan, And now he's getting an opportunity to uh, step into step in Wilson's car it's just all the it's amazing how everything kind of worked out you know uh honda allowing him or chevy vice versa the car manufacturers allowing for this to happen because it's going from one to the other you know that sometimes is frowned upon but this is it's you know great also to see everybody come together like this and allow for this to happen in in order to keep the 33 car race for the indy 500 and, and still give everybody their opportunity um that is physically able to. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it's yeah. All that, that, that's been the big kind of undercurrent underneath all that is like all the talks of like Graham Murray Hall not being satisfied. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how he does, uh, on Sunday and, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there and it'll be, that'll be interesting to track as the rest of the season rolls on. But yeah, another, another year, another historic 
qualifications weekend. Um, you know, the lead up, uh, you know, looking at kind of the practices leading up to this past weekend. Wednesday's fastest was Takuma Sato. Uh, Scott Dixon, Santino Ferrucci were second and third. Thursday's fastest was the uh, 2022 Indy 500 champion Marcus Erickson. He was followed up by um, Scott Dixon and Simon Pagano. Then on Fast Friday, Takuma Sato was fastest again, followed by Marco Andretti and Renus VK. Then on qualification day, Saturday, Tony Kanaan was fastest in practice, followed by Alexander Rossi and Alex Pillow, kind of foreshadowing some of the cars that would be fastest uh, on pole day or on uh, on the uh, first day of qualifications. Um, uh, Felix Rosenquist sits P1 after day one with a four-lap average of 233.047. Only Ari Leyendijk's record run in 1996 and Scott Dixon's pole run the last year were faster. Alexander Rossi, Alex Pillow, Renus VK, Scott Dixon, Tony Kanan, Takuma Sato, Pato Award, um, Santino Ferrucci, Marcus Erickson, Benjamin Peterson, and Will Power made up the Fast 12. Catherine Legg, driving for Rahal Letterman Lanigan, turns the Fast uh, can't talk today. Turns the in the single fastest lap and four lap average of any female driver in the history of the Indianapolis 500. Wow, uh, which was her. which was pretty incredible. Fastest lap was 231.627, average of 231.070. Uh, last chance qualifiers were Christian Lundgaard, Jack Harvey, and Graham Rahal, all from Rahal Letterman Lanigan, as well as Stingray Rob. So that was kind of a an extra layer is that all four were series regulars. So it wasn't like like oh well you kind of because it. It works out that way sometimes where you're like, okay, well, one of the four isn't really a series regular, so we're like not like that's the one you're kind of hoping. Not that you're hoping anyone doesn't, but somebody obviously someone's going to get bumped, and you're kind of like, well, hopefully one of the series regulars doesn't have to miss. Um, so uh, <laughs> that kind of added an extra layer. Day two, fast 12 qualifying. Uh, Felix Rosenquist uh, is at the top again with a four-lap average of 234.081. Santino Ferrucci held the top for a while with an impressive run for A.J. Foyt. Uh, Renus VK, Alex Pillow, Scott Dixon, and Pato Award made up the fast six. Rossi bumped out by his teammate Rosenquist run. Um, it was Sato Kanan Erickson, Peterson, and Power, who rounded out the top 12. Then last chance qualifying. It was Christian Lundgaard qualifying the fastest, followed by Stingray Robin Gray Murray Hall, because Jack Harvey just couldn't find the speed. That is until his final run at the gun bumps his teammate Graham Ray Hall out of the 500, 30 years after his dad Bobby missed the race. It was... I, I, you kind of wonder. I know, obviously, you know, you, you re-enter the qualifying. You know, you 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 know, go back out again. You pull your time, but you almost wonder. You know, retroactively, you know, does Graham Rahal and his team kind of hope that they might have gone out because they knew they were faster anyway than Harvey? I know it's a big risk, but it might have paid off if they had gone out and to block Harvey from going. But then you've got the teammate angle. A lot of drama unfolding uh, on bump day as that unfolded, and then it was time. For the fast six, Alex Pillow just goes out there and just goes out there and sets the fastest four-lap average pull speed in Indy 500 history, surpassing his teammate Scott Dixon, who did the same a season prior. His uh, four-lap average was 234.217. He's the first Spaniard to sit on the pole. Renus VK and Felix Rosenquist make up the front row, the closest front row in history, only separated by .103. Um, it was also the fastest front row in Indy 500. Santino Ferrucci, Pato Award, and Scott Dixon will make up row two. So an incredible weekend 
of Qualls uh, this past weekend at IMS. Um, so looking for a standout performance, and we didn't really get into him a ton, you know, in kind of the recap here. But you know, when I look at my standout performance, you know, we talked about the favorites going in, and a big discussion last week was who's going to be the fastest rookie qualifier, and we talked about like, hey. You know, there's really not a standout. You know, they're, they're you know the fastest rookie qualifier might be what like twentieth, nineteenth. They just none of the rookies have really stood out in quals all year. Um, but then comes Benjamin Peterson. Um, you know, the Indy 500 uh, was. Um, um, Benjamin Peterson, excuse me, was last in the open test in April. Um, He had just one qualifying effort um, in this season where he qualified in the top 20. He started 13th at Texas. So maybe that should have shown us, like, hey, on the ovals, he can do a little bit better. He was 21st in practice on Wednesday, 26th on Thursday, 15th on Fast Friday. So his qualifying approach, he did have signs of having the the speed to compete uh, for the Fast 12. But, man, not only does he make the Fast 12 and complete the best qualifying weekend of his IndyCar career, but he was putting up speeds and practicing uh, at, at 235. And I think that was no toe that he was getting 235. I mean, he was absolutely flying around in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And when you look at the first four rows, I mean, there aren't too many surprises. But I don't know that many had Benjamin Peterson having the weekend that he did. So what a way. You come to Indy for the first time, and you blow kind of not only the other rookies out of the water, but you're up there competing with some big names. I mean, he out-qualifies, you know, Will Power, all the Penske drivers. I mean, he was was doing really well out there in qualifying, holding his uh, own with some of the big guns. So Benjamin Peterson is my standout from this last weekend. Yeah, I mean that's a great pick. Benjamin Peterson had a had a great run. Um, but you know, for me, I, I'm looking at Felix Rosenquist. I think just the from practice all the way through qualifying, he was he's been the the fastest of the um, Arrow McLaren or McLaren Arrow Arrow McLaren cars. And it's you know when we look at this team, you go, oh yeah, it's uh, Pato Award and Alexander Rossi. That should be leading the way. But Felix Rosenquist uh, just has had a phenomenal run with practices, like I said, and qualifying uh, qualifying third, sitting on the front row. I mean, he set himself up for some pretty good success. And he's it's really, I feel like his speed this month has been kind of overshadowed by some of the other names on the list. And also by the fact that drivers like Benjamin Peterson and Santino Ferrucci have been kind of the talk of the paddock if if you if you look at it like he's just kind of sitting there having a a quietly good month on the oval so he's he's my biggest like my my biggest performer in in my opinion yeah i mean he's a driver that you know you it was kind of weird because he does a you know he pulls that fast lap on p1 he was you know fastest through the first two like you know through qual you know qual's day one and then through uh the fast 12 he was the fastest but you know you almost because you know you had scott guys like scott dixon and guys like alex Pelot in the field as well you in the fast six you wondered like is that gonna hold up and i mean yeah it didn't end up holding up but he still puts it on the front row he always qualifies so well on ovals so yeah he put forward a fantastic uh week and so you know i wanted to look at some surprises too um because there was just like a lot of great performances um you know i'm gonna keep 
I'm going to keep the love on AJ Foyt though. You know, you brought him up as Santino Ferrucci. You know, we talked about Peterson and his run earlier, but also what a weekend for Santino Ferrucci. Like I said, I'm glad you brought him up. He was 25th at the Open Test earlier this year, uh, but it's been fast all May. Third in practice on Wednesday, seventh on Friday. Um, he held P1 through the fast 12. He winds up fourth on the grid for Sunday. He hadn't started higher than 15th for the greatest spectacle in racing. Uh, you know, the Foyt drivers. You know, like I said, they hung with Chip Ganassi, McLaren. Um, they both both drivers qualified higher than Team Penske, um, so I'm not sure how many people saw that coming coming into Qual's weekend. So you know we had a lot of outstanding performances, but AJ Foyt Enterprises really really opened some eyes. So I'm kind of looking in a different direction in general. I'm looking at Penske, um, and some of this can be explained. It's just you know, but. You have some of the you have Joseph Newgarden who's put up some really fast times, fast laps throughout from the open test through the month, and for especially him to not make the fast twelve even, and for that team in general just to kind of I don't know feel like they were on the fringe. I mean, I don't think that Will Power was even. I mean, he was obviously in the fast twelve and competitive, but I don't think anyone saw him as a real contender to win the pole. But like I said, it can be kind of explained. It, like you and I were talking before we started, and I said, "Look, I think it it's kind of like you, you even said this. Penske kind of looks at it and goes, "We can win this race from starting in that early teen range. You know, it, we're okay there." Um, and like then I like I said then was. Look, after qualifying, you have all this time building up to qualifying. And after qualifying, you have a practice session on Monday, the day after. And then you have a one-hour session on carb day to get your car right for, for race day. Why not spend more time? Like, okay, let's spend the early amount, early part figuring out what we can do to get some good speed out of this car for qualifying. All right, good. We've, we're, we're happy where that's at. Now let's take the rest of the time and focus on getting our car good for race day. And that's typically what we've seen out of this team. So I guess it's not super surprising, but at the same time, when you looked at some of the uh, the, the averages that like Joseph Newgarden was putting up in, like I said, the open test and then early part of the Indy 500 practice, is, it, it is kind of surprising that he fell that far. Um, so, I mean, that, that one, I mean, there, there's several you could look at from that standpoint. I mean... I'll get the, the next one. I'll, I'll I'll go deeper on our on the next question for my next this next pick of mine. Yeah, because I also wanted to look at you know who kind of stood out from practice to qualifying. Like who did we not see coming? You know at all going into uh you know the the two days of qualifying this past weekend. Um, you know looking at the practice results and what our expectations were for qualifying this weekend. Uh, there wasn't really that anything to me that like stood out like glaring because I also looked at. Um, the practice results, and you could tell like there there were drivers doing like different things because obviously the speeds, you know, it wasn't until like Friday that you started to see speeds as teams started to get ready for uh, this past weekend. Uh, you didn't really see speeds close to what we saw on Saturday or Sunday until Friday, so it was kind of a mixed bag. But well, they also um, do get that additional boost on Fast Friday, so that right. has a little bit to do with it. Too. True. Um, but uh, looking at, so I wanted to though give a quick shout out to uh, Callum Eilat, um and his crew. Uh, he was 32nd at the open test back in April. He 
basically told his crew how he wasn't comfortable with how things felt with the car. So they call for a complete chassis swap, uh, which uh, is which his crew is able to pull off in 24 hours. Um, That's risky. Right, really risky. Um, and it puts you in danger. Like, yeah, you're going to miss day one, but what that means is, hey, there's a chance that your first run, your first and only qualifying runs will be to help you stay in the field. And you're, I mean, we saw Jack Harvey. He only got, it wasn't like he got, you know, four or five runs at trying to, you know, he had, it was his third and final run where they finally got it together and made the race. Um, so, I mean, you know, and it could have been a big issue if like Cal Isla was in that same uh, position, but instead his crew put, you know, puts in the great work that they did. Um, it was awesome too. I mean, he sent out a tweet where he was like, we basically pulled off in, you know, less than a day, what other teams have been practicing all week to do. And it, it was pretty uh, cool and pretty impressive to see what they were able to do. And not only does he avoid last chance qualifying, but he puts the car comfortably in the show. Like, yeah, I think he's like, what, 28th? But, like, still, he wasn't really close to being in that last chance uh, qualifying uh, f- group there. So really great job by Cal Myla and his crew. Yeah. So, again, I'm going in the opposite direction. Kind of biggest surprise uh, uh, kind of from – practice to qualifying i'm going connor daly you know yes history shows connor daly hasn't always qualified the best at the motor speedway but the the lap times he was putting up in practice and consistently being one of the fastest cars day in and day out it was it was surprising to see him not in the fast 12 and if if you listen to interviews with him he was surprised too, because in the past, like last year, he had balance issues. And it was just like, I couldn't get the car balanced. The wind was shifting us all over the place. I just couldn't get a good a good handle on it. And, you know, there's been some things that have popped up, but he got out of the car and said, look, the car was comfortable and the car was fast. It's just, I don't know why it wasn't fast enough. I can't tell you. Um, so it was, it was a little surprising to see because I thought, yeah, this is his opportunity to get a a top nine start, a top twelve start, which would have been put him up there for his best career start. However, we do know Connor Daly does run well come Indy Five Hundred Sunday, so you know, not too concerning. He's he qualified right around his on the higher end of his average, so it, it it's still all good. But it was kind of surprising to see him not put up those times like we saw in practices leading up to qualifying. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see what, I mean, he was second at the open test too. So it's, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what he can do um, come Sunday. And speaking of Sunday, it's now time to shift our attention towards the greatest spectacle and racing. We've, we've qualified, we've run the GMR grand prix. It's time, finally time for the big show. And so going in at the beginning of the month, we talked about, you know, who was having the great, you know, who's got the most momentum going into uh, the month of May as a whole. Now I kind of want to look at who has the most momentum, who's put the, together the best month so far going into the Indianapolis 500, who kind of walks in as one of the favorites, if not the favorite. And for me, I mean, first things first, when we got to preview this thing, how can you not look at Alex Pillow and the absolute oh, month yeah. he is having? I mean, I think with the win 
completing the Indy sweep. He'll have wrapped up the greatest month in the history of the Indianapolis 500. I mean, he won the GMR Grand Prix starting second. He not only will start P1 on Sunday, but broke his teammate's record for the fastest four-lap average in race history. Uh, Only two other drivers have done the Indy sweep. Uh, Will Power in 2018. He didn't start on the pole. Simon Pagino won in 2019, won the pole uh, that year as well. Um, But his speed... Uh, would not have made this year's race, which is <laughs> pretty incredible uh, to look at. Um, you know, I don't think, and I honestly don't think it's going to be topped unless we want to start talking about P1 and winning both races. Like, I, I'm sure if someone comes across, starts P1 for both races, wins both races, and in the process sets like a qualifying record, then that driver can be talked about ahead of Alex Pillow. But right now, I think Alex Pillow is, is, is on the precipice of completing the greatest month that we've seen in May ever, which is pretty awesome to think about. Uh, he was fourth, also just to kind of add on, he was fourth in practice on Wednesday, ninth on Thursday, third on Sunday, second on Sunday, and fourth on uh, this past Monday. So he's been fast. You know, he's been at the top of the charts uh, in all aspects this month, and I think he's got a great chance at the Indy Sweep. So, I mean, he's, he, for me, is the honest favorite going into Sunday. Yeah, it's hard to look at anybody else that's had as good of a month as him. I mean, I don't want to just like say it's him, but even though clearly it is Alex Pillow. But another driver that's having a, a pretty good month, I, I would say as well, is Alexander Rossi. Look, we came into this month saying that this was his opportunity to kind of right the ship and get his feet back underneath him with a new team and everything. He performed well at the GMR Grand Prix. He's now qualified in the top six. I mean, he's 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 good to go in my mind. He's he's you know good qualifying spot, fit good finish at the GMR Grand Prix. He's just kind of been solid. Um, so I think based off of long term goals and the, the goals that we looked at for teams coming into the month of May, uh, he has definitely met the goals uh, up to this point. So I mean. It doesn't compare to Alex Pillow's month, but, you know, any stretch of the imagination. But for considering the struggles we've seen from him this year um, and in years past, this kind of these performances go a long way for Alexander Rossi. Oh yeah, I mean we, I mean he gets his first podium of of the year um, at the GMR Grand Prix. I mean, you know, we talk. Uh, I my goal for Aero McLaren was get um, Felix Rosenquist and Alexander Rossi both like if not in the top 10, around the top 10, and they're already, as far as the points go, and they're already well on their way to doing that if they can convert their success from all the pre-race uh, and lead-up into actually success in the 500. So uh, it, it'll, I think they're in a, in a good spot to uh, come out of May way better than they were uh, going into May. So that, that is a good pick. Um, and one thing we did last year, uh, that I really liked and I, I, I think is really f- uh, fun to do, and I wanted to bring it in this year uh, as one of our previews uh, for the 500. I wanted to do a full grid preview. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're, we're going to do our full grid preview. We're going to pick a driver from each row that has the best shot at winning the Indy 500. It's kind of our hot or cold, but uh, Indy 500 edition where we're uh, where we're going to go through, kind of rank each driver hot through cold and, and give who we think is going to be the best. Now, I will say before we get into this, uh, the outline for this podcast was made prior to Stefan Wilson's crash and Graham Rahal uh, filling in for him. I know he will be moved to the back of the field. 
um, which obviously jumbles up the last couple of rows, but we didn't really feel like it was that big of a deal to actually go in and change everything and, and, and redo. Because ultimately, it really only affects three drivers total, uh, or four. You know, There's no Stefan Wilson. Graham Rahal's now in row 11. And there's two drivers that get bumped up a row. So ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, trying to shift all that around, it just yeah right so for this for the sake of this exercise but yes we are aware Stefan wilson is not in the race graham ray hall is starting 33rd and everybody gets bumped up a spot that is what's behind Stefan wilson right so, so we've, we've there we go <laughs> we've addressed that all you all you youtube uh comment andy's uh in the in the chat uh or in the comment section we know we're aware please do not come for us for uh it technically being a little a little helter skelter from what it'll be on sunday um because also i like i said before we started recording i also think like they i'm not sure if they'll still line him up in his normal spot, and then as they get going, because I know in NASCAR sometimes when they have to make a driver change, they will or a car or a car like they swap to the backup car or have an engine change, they'll still line them up where they would qualify on the grid, and then they will move back in the warm up laps. So, yeah, so according to Indy Star, they are bumping everybody up for starting positions. Right. So I, I mean, that's going to kind of change uh, how I pick, especially my last row, uh, because it does. Affect, I'll just go ahead and tell you right now. So. Uh, Christian Lungard will get bumped up to row 10. Callum Islet, Islet will get bumped up to row 9. Um, so now in 25th is Devlin DeFrancesco. 26th, Augustine Canapino. 27th, Callum Islet. 28th, R.C. Enerson. 29th, Catherine Legg. 30th, Christian Lungard. 31, Stingray Robb. 32, Jack Harvey, 33, Graham Ray Hall. Okay, so yeah, that's how it's going to be uh, uh, in those last couple of rows there. So uh, let's go ahead and kick things off. Um, I'm going to keep – I'm going to go off of what it was originally, uh, but if, uh, obviously if you want to go ahead and change it, it's only the last little bit of it that's going to be uh, changed anyway. Um, so originally, row 11 – was uh, inside was uh, Christian Lungard, middle was Stingray Rob, Jack Harvey was on the outside of row 33. As far as how I would rank them hot to cold, um, I would go Lungard, Rob, and Harvey. This is more uh, about not having a ton of faith in, in Stingray Rob or Jack Harvey, uh, but I also think overall Lungard has been the strongest of the three, especially if, you know with the momentum that he has coming from uh, the – uh, from being second and finishing fourth at the GMR Grand Prix. I know obviously those are two entirely different races, but that still kind of gives you a little bit of a comfort value uh, racing at Indy. And I also think, I mean, man, Christian Lungard for being in the last row shootout was super calm and collected. So I think he's he's going to have kind of the right vibe to go in and have success at the 500. So my row 11, I'm actually going to go with Graham Rahal now. Um, look, he's stepping into a car that qualified 25th. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a totally different car now, um, but Graham Rahal has had some success at Indianapolis. Um, he just wasn't finding it this year with Rahal let him in land again. So I think putting him in a different car, it's kind of going to be his prove it opportunity um, with the talk or rumors of him potentially looking to move on from, uh, from Rahal. So it, it, it could be a, a good opportunity for him. So I think he takes the most of that opportunity and of that, those three in, the, in row 11, I like Graham Rahal the best. 
Inside of row 10, it's Callum Isla, R.C. Enerson, Catherine Legg. Um, hot to cold, uh, when I, if I were to rank these guys, I or well, these these drivers. Can't say guys because <laughs> you got you got Catherine Legg in there, and that's who I have as uh, the best of the three. Uh, Legg, Eilat, and Enerson is how I'd rank them. Catherine Legg has run twice at the Indianapolis 500. Her best finish was 22nd, uh, but that was back in 2012 and 2013. To get in the car for the first time in 10 years and not only qualify better than four series regulars, including her three teammates, but to put together the fastest lap uh, and four-lap average of any female driver in the history of the race is pretty darn impressive. I mean, that's better than Danica. That's better than Sarah Fisher. Uh, that's uh, pretty incredible what she was able to do. I'll rank Eilat over Enerson just because of the fact that Enerson is a rookie, although Eilat in his only run has finished 32nd. But Catherine Legg, what a what a... Uh, week or what a month she's had so far all right before i get into this i'm looking at the starting grid the printout from the indy star and they have the driver's pictures next to their cars and holy cow callum isla and christian lungard could be twins <laughs> like if it wasn't for a must a little tiny mustache on christian lungard uh you would think they just photoshopped a different suit over <laughs> they're like we don't have an extra picture so just uh, <laughs> like, put some, is put that a, mustache that's on gotta be i'm suit. like yeah um, all right. So with this one, um, my, my order is I'm going with Christian Lundgaard as my hot, uh, I'm then I'm going RC Enerson and then Catherine leg. Look, I would have gone Catherine leg a little bit higher, but having to go to a backup car and the different changes oh. that, that gives me a little bit of worry, but Christian Lundgaard, like you said, he looked calm, cool, collected in his run. Um, I actually, we talked, we're talking about potential um, dark horses last week. He was one of the guys that I talked about. So I'm, I'm going to rank him as my hottest driver from row 10. Final problem, row. Um, inside of row uh, nine was originally going to be Stefan Wilson. Uh, he gets replaced by Graham Rahal. Uh, Devlin DeFrancesco uh, is in the middle, and Augustin Canapino, the rookie, is on the outside. Um, I was going to give uh, Wilson a lot of love here. Uh, he was going to be my my hottest. Uh, Wilson has run uh, in four Indy 500s, finishing as high as 15th in 2018. Other runs weren't great, but when the other drivers in your row have one start between them, Wilson was the easy choice there. That means Graham Rahal is the easier, <laughs> easiest choice uh, to make out of those three drivers. Uh, you talked about it earlier. I mean, heck, he was a tire falling off his car a couple of years ago from potentially winning the whole darn thing. Now, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm going to talk about some storylines that are cool later when we get into our predictions. I think a cool storyline would be, you know, after all the rumblings of his unhappiness with Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan and, and all that kind of things, if he were to go out, I mean, I don't think he is going to win the whole darn thing, but imagine if he wins the Indianapolis 500 filling in in a different car. Because um, you kind of wonder, like, okay, if he were to leave Ray Hall, like, what are it's kind of like when we talk when we talk There's about not a whole lot of options right when there. we talk it's like when we talk about like coaching changes and stuff like that I mean heck we just talked about it with the Colts this past year like yeah Reich was struggling but who are you gonna get that's better uh, at the moment when, like, when we were talking about what moves you can make and that's kind of the thing with Ray Hall like yeah Ray I mean I would love to see Ray Hall have some success and contend for a championship but I mean you know I don't unless you're I mean what are you where are you going that kind of guarantees you like a shot at that and who's taking the flyer on Ray Hall to fill their position as opposed to some other, you know, younger driver that they're bringing in. Um, 
I'd be interested to see. I don't. I don't really know Alex Pillow's situation. What's going to be beyond past 2023 with what team he's going to be on? It'd be interesting to see once those domino dominoes fall, what other seats open up. But you know, you talked about it being a kind of a kind of an audition run for Ray Hall, and I think this is going to be a really uh, fun. Uh, race to watch him run to see what he can do, you know, to kind of show like, hey, look, it ain't me, guys. It, it, it's the equipment I'm being provided. Right. So for me, my hot, like, in the kind of jumbled up row nine, I'm going with uh, Devlin DeFrancesco, then Callum Eilat, followed by Augustine Canapino. Um, I, I just feel like DeFrancesco is kind of one of those drivers that surprises people occasionally, especially at ND. I remember last year he kind of had it kind of opened up a few eyes. So I, I think he can kind of carry that, um, hopefully. Uh, but you know, it's a it's a tough road to pick one from. So I'm I'm going with uh Devlin, then Callum, then Augustine. And then once you get to row eight, that's actually when you start having a little bit of trouble deciding what you want to do, at least yeah. for me. Uh, row eight, inside of row eight is Simon Pagino. Uh, middle of row eight is David Malukas, rounded out by Marco Andretti on the outside. My order, I went with Pagino, Andretti, then Malukas as far as ranking those drivers. I mean, this, though, like I said, is the first row I had trouble deciding with. And, you know, yeah, it can't happen as far back as row eight. Uh, between the three, Marco was fastest uh, in practice three. Pagino was pra- fastest on Thursday, third overall. Marco was fastest on Fast Friday, second overall. I really wanted to go uh, as with uh, Malukas as my favorite from this row, especially since, honestly, he should have won Rookie of the Year last year uh, instead of Jimmy Johnson. Uh, but Pagano won the 500 just four years ago. He qualified fastest of the three, was third fastest in practice on Thursday, and finished eighth with Meyer Shank racing last season. Marco hasn't finished with the greatest. Uh, uh, Marco hasn't finished in the top ten at the greatest spectacle in racing since 2017. Lucas hasn't been faster than the other two this month at all. Uh, but I also I think he could still have a good run. So yeah, my order from that row is Pagano, Andretti, and the Malukas. Gosh, this one's hard. You know, I'm going to go Andretti, Pagano, and then Malukas. Um, but man, Pagano and Andretti are just so interchangeable there. I, I feel, actually, you know what? I'm going, I'm switching it. Pagano, Andretti, Malukas. Look, ever since Andretti has kind of gone, he's only doing the one race a year thing with, you know, running the Indy 500. Um, last year, he just didn't perform very well. It was just kind of like he was uncomfortable behind the wheel of the car. So because of that, I, I, I'm leaning more towards Pagano to be the hottest of this row, past winner, um, with a team that has won it in the past. So I, I, I feel like if there's a chance for some somebody to make some noise from this row, it is definitely Simon Pagano. Row seven on the inside, you've got Romain Grosjean, middle. You've got Elio Castroneves, and on the outside, you've got Colton Herta. Uh, my ranking was Castroneves was the hottest driver of the three, followed by Herta and Grosjean. I mean, you can't argue with the four-time champ, including a win just a couple of years ago with his current team, 
Meyer Shank. Um, you finished seventh last year uh, with Meyer Shank, despite starting 27th. So he's done it from deep in the field with this equipment uh, before. Um, he's done it with different teams. He's done it from different rows on the grid. Once it's race today, Spider-Man just has another gear. Uh, and I think he's just able to find that each and every year at this race. Herta is capable of a strong run, but has been super inconsistent at the 500. Uh, he's only finished higher than, uh, or sorry, he's only finished higher than he's qualified three of the four 500s he's run. He started 10th and finished 8th in 2020. He has two finishes of 30th or worse. Herta. Uh, has been faster than Grosjean all month, save for qualifying. And as much hype as I was giving Grosjean, you know, we look at his, you know, his only 500 was last year and he crashed early. So it's kind of too tough to really tell what he's going to be able to do uh, at the greatest spectacle in racing. So row seven, give me Elio Castro Nevis, Roman Grosjean, then Colton Herta. I mean, there's not much more you need to say about Elio Castro Nevis. I mean, his team's wearing rocking shirts that say drive for five. I mean, it, it's got a great ring to it. But I, I'm putting Roman Grosjean ahead of Colton Herta because Grosjean this year has put together a pretty a pretty solid year, a consistent year. And I could see that consistency carrying over to this weekend. Whereas Colton Herta, I mean, he's it's been up and down and his his track record um during the five for the five hundred isn't great. Um, and I just feel like Roman Grosjean is is adapting better. He's adapted quickly to this car, and I think um, you're going to see him have a have a good race come Sunday. Whereas Colton Herta, I, I don't know. I you know it's just it's hard to tell what Colton Herta you're going to get weekend and week out. Very true. Inside of row six, you've got Connor Daly. He uh, is surrounded by Joseph Newgarden in the middle and Ryan Hunter Ray on the outside, and I actually surprised myself with the way I went here. I went, as far as my order, Hunter Ray, Joseph Newgarden, then Connor Daly. Uh, although this is another hard road to gauge, but hard, hard road to gauge. Uh, between the three, Hunter Ray was fastest on Wednesday. He was eighth fastest, though Newgarden was right behind him in ninth. Connor Daly was fastest, sixth overall on Thursday, and then Newgarden was fastest on Friday, sixth overall. But Hunter Ray has won this thing before, and even though he didn't run last year's race, he's still got more top 10s in the last five years than the other two um, as far as uh, what he's done on actual race day. Newgarden has been be- has has the better equipment and statistically has been better than Daly on race day as far as like the last few years. He's had more uh, top fives and, and, and things along those lines, so I'm going with Newgarden. It's a, another kind of toss-up row, uh, but give me Hunter Ray just because of his experience and success on race day. So for row number six, I'm going Connor Daly, Ryan Hunter Ray, then Joseph Newgarden. Look, Connor Daly showed us last year that it doesn't matter where he qualifies, he's going to be up at the front contending. I mean, he led a ton of laps, and if it wasn't for just a bad break last year, I mean, we probably could have been talking about him as the winner of the Indy 500. And then I'm going Ryan Hunter Ray ahead of Joseph Newgarden because. I feel like every year I look at Joseph Newgarden as a potential contender and winner of this race. And every year I get proven wrong. And it's like, you know what? You... Keep fooling me. And, you know, I, 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 you know, I've been fooled so many times. It's totally shame on me. So now I'm not going to let it slip by me this time. I, I agree with you, Ryan Hunter Ray. He's got the experience. He's been able to focus just on this race. I mean, it bodes well for him, uh, but 
I mean, Joseph Newgarden does have better equipment, hands down, but he just, I don't know. It, it, this has just been a struggle for him. He's He can be up there contending, and all of a sudden, boom, like bad pitch strategy or something. I, I, I It's just hard to put your finger on what it is. So I'm going with him as the coldest of, of this row. Looking at row five on the inside, it's Ed Carpenter, followed by Scott McLaughlin in the middle, and then on the outside, it's Kyle Kirkwood. And I'm going with my order. I'm going Kirkwood, Carpenter, and then McLaughlin. Um, with the exception of the first practice session, Kirkwood has been faster than the other two in practice. He was fourth f- fastest on Saturday, which uh, is higher than the other two uh, on the speed charts. Carpenter's probably the play here. When I was writing it down, I was like, ah, it's, it's hard to bet against Carpenter. He has had strong runs at the 500 over the last five years, three finishes of six or higher, but I I like how fast he's been uh, so far this month. Uh, talking about um, talking about Kirkwood, he's been really good, um, and he's been able to finish uh, at the middle of the pack. Um, uh, sorry, I'm getting a little confused with what I wrote here. Um, but I like how fast he's been uh, so far this month that he was able to uh, finish at the middle of the pack with equipment uh, that is arguably worse than what he uh, has this year with Andretti Autosports. So Kirkwood, you know, with wor- with, you know, with not as good equipment last year, was still able to finish middle of the pack. I think that's what I was trying to say there. I don't know what jumbled mess that was. Uh, but you know, he finished middle of the pack last year with worse equipment. He's got better equipment th- with Andretti Autosport this year, so I think he can have success. Uh, McLaughlin hasn't finished higher than twentieth uh, in his two Indy five hundred. So uh, I know there's some people in our comment section that likes Scott McLaughlin and think we don't give him enough love, uh, but he just hasn't proven it on race day. So I like Kyle Kirkwood to be kind of a dark horse from this row. Yeah, I mean, I guess we just had another Craig, uh, let me check my notes moment. Yeah, 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 we did. (laughs) And it always comes when we're talking about racing. So, hey, keeping the tradition alive. But as far as row number five goes for me, give me Scott McLaughlin as my hottest driver, Kyle Kirkwood coming in a close second. And then Ed Carpenter to round out row five. Look, I think the success and that Scott McLaughlin has seen at Texas can help him be better prepared for this race. Uh, I, I just I feel more confident in him coming into this year than even last year or the year before. So I, I think, you know, he's he's gonna ha- that success is gonna come through. Um, Kyle Kirkwood, like you said, he's been fast all month. Um, he's proven that he can be running up there on lesser equipment. He's got good equipment now, so expect big things out of him. Ed Carpenter, it's so tough to say with him just because it's the one race he runs. I don't know. Last year, it seemed like a struggle for him when everybody else on his team was doing well. I'm just not as confident in him, um, so I, that's why I put him third on that row. Now we're into the top 12 here. Inside of row four, Marcus Erickson, followed by Benjamin Peterson, then Will Power. Uh, my order, um, as far as who I think is the hottest driver from this row, uh, I'm going Erickson, then Power, then Peterson. Erickson, Erickson was fastest in practice four on Thursday, seventh on Wednesday, fourth on Fast Friday. He's been faster than the other two in practice and qualifying. He was the points leader heading into May, last year's Indy 500 champion. Uh, I like Erickson uh, of these three, although we haven't seen a repeat winner of the greatest spectacle in racing in over 20 years, so that is something to keep in mind. Uh, Power won in 2018. He finished fifth in 2019, but since then he hasn't been higher than 14th. Uh, Peterson, though really fast in qualifying, has the misfortune of being in the same 
same row as Power and Erickson. That's why I don't like him as much. Although, I mean, look, that's something uh, itself of his chances that he's even in that conversation with Erickson and Power. So uh, Peterson's last for me. But again, once you get up to this level, I mean, you know, it's it, tough. It's tough, and honestly, you know, you can make the argument for any of these guys in any of these rows coming up. Yeah. So I'm the exact same order. Marcus Erickson, Will Power, Benjamin Peterson. Um, really Marcus Erickson and Will Power can easily flip flop, but Marcus Erickson gets the nod because of being the reigning Indy 500 champ and Will Power does not because of his recent struggles, uh, during the 500. Um, so it's like you said, it's a, it's a tough row, but I'm going, I got to go with the, the reigning champ as the hottest driver in the row. And then the kind of the surprise rookie as the coldest. Row three, top nine Gosh, here. This row. Yeah, this is. <laughs> I mean, you've got just th- throw it at a wall and you're like, yep, that 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 works. Three former winners in this row at the Indianapolis 500. Pretty crazy. On the inside, you've got Alexander Rossi, followed by Takuma Sato in the middle. Outside row three is Tony Kanon. McLaren's uh, was fast this weekend, um, and and so obviously you know two of those drivers are there with Kanan and Rossi. Uh, I still like the idea of Takuma Sato and ha- all the success he's had, and then all all that pre you know predating the fact that he has better equipment this year than he's ever had. That's going to be really exciting. Since 2016, which was the first race that featured all three of these drivers, Rossi has a win, two podiums, four top fives, and five top tens. Sato two wins, three podiums. Kanan a podium, uh, three top five and five top tens. Rossi's been the most consistent of the three on race day, and McLaren's uh, been super fast, as I've said, so I think my order is going to be Rossi, Sato, then Kanan. Um, I hate it. Kanan's been more consistent than Sato. Uh, Kanan's you know, been my favorite driver, excited for the chance to see his uh, final race um, at the Indianapolis 500, uh, but I still have a hunch about Takuma Sato with uh, Chip Ganassi power behind him. Uh, there's, there's, But also, there's no wrong answer here. I mean, like you said, exactly. throw, it, throw it at a wall and and that's that's uh, uh, just as much of an order as anything else. Yeah, so I'm going to go Kanan, Rossi, then Sato. I think the experience, I mean, Rossi and Kanan, I feel like or could be interchangeable a little bit. Uh, but Kanan always, recently he's come in, he stepped in just for this race, and then comes out and has a great run. Um, I could see Kanan doing that this year. I mean, he's been again i'm going to use this phrase quietly been good i mean a fan favorite i don't know how you can be quietly good but um he has it's just he's just been there he's been consistent every day um i don't know also knowing it's his last indy 500 you kind of want to you want to pull him for him a little bit more Rossi, like I said earlier, Rossi's kind of he's found his legs again and things are looking good. Yes, Sato does have the best equipment he's probably ever had coming into the Indy 500. However, Sato can sometimes get in his own way as a driver. And what what scares me about this row is that you got Alexander Rossi and Tony Kanaan on either side of him. Sato is such a wild card that something could happen at the beginning of the race where I don't know where he could potentially take out both Rossi and Kanan and come out of it completely clean. But there goes two contenders right off the bat. It's just one of those like 
because you hear the phrase, man, I got soddled. That driver got soddled. And it, I don't know. So I'm picking him as the coldest driver in this, in this road, just because sometimes he drives it a little too hard. Yeah, I mean that's I agree. I remember I remember uh being at the USGP um and that's when he was in Formula 1 and he was like drove with so much attrition and that's carried him throughout his entire career. So definitely uh you know the, the being sodoed is is very real. So uh, yeah, it could be kind of a wild card in that respect. Row 2 on the inside, you have Santino Ferrucci in the middle, Pato Award and then on the outside Scott Dixon. Um, my order uh, for this row, as far as hot to cold, I'm going Award, then Dixon, then Ferrucci. Uh, in 2020, uh, that was Pato's first Indy 500. He uh, finished sixth and won Rookie of the Year. He finished fourth in 2021, uh, was runner-up last year. So in other words, if you notice the trend there, Award has improved his finishing position at the 500 every year that he's running the greatest spectacle in racing. And after finishing second, there's really only one more spot to go <laughs> if you're going to keep that trend up. Um, also was fired up after coming up short last year. I mean, obviously, like, who wouldn't be when you finish second? But still, that'll serve as motivation. Dixon has been snake-bitten more often than not at the 500 as of late. Ferrucci has finished in the top 10 every year he's been at Indy, but still feels weird to go with uh, – <laughs> have Dixon last from this row, not picking the Iceman there. So not ready to do that quite yet, but uh, uh, I think Award is, is the class of these three. So, yeah, uh, I got Award as the hottest driver from this row as well. Like you said, finishing runner up last year, just kind of left a bad taste in his mouth. He had a really good car last year. He's got a really good car again this year. So give me a paddle award there to, to lead things off. However, I am going with Santino Ferrucci right there in the middle because like you said, he's just been consistent top 10 finishes and every, every 500 for him. Um, and he, I, this is, you know, going to be his best starting position. Just, everything's kind of aligning for Ferrucci to have a really good race day. Then I'm going with Scott Dixon, mostly because like you said, he has been snake bitten in this, whether it's been a, a pit road issue or a, a wreck or fuel mileage, not working out, which is really strange for a Scott Dixon race. Um, you know, it's just when you, when you look at the other two drivers and you look at history, history doesn't look so kindly upon Scott Dixon at this track, but like we've always said with Scott Dixon, it's not just about one race. It's about the end game. Yep, for sure. Um, row one, the fastest front row in history on the inside. It's Alex below middle. It's Rena's VK outside Felix Rosenquist. Um, and so my, uh, front, my, uh, hot to cold here is below then Rosenquist, then VK. I mean, we talked about Polo earlier. He's got all the momentum. In two Indy 500s with Ganassi, he's finished second and ninth. Uh, neither VK nor Rosenquist have been able to convert their qualifying efforts into 500 success. VK has never started worse than fourth, but has finished inside the top 20 just once in his three races. He was eighth in 2021, and Rosenquist started eighth last year, finished fourth. Um, that and... Um, and the fact that McLaren power has been so good this year um, is why I'm going with him. However, his best finish before that was 12th with a pair of finishes outside the top 25. So neither VK nor Rosenquist have had race day success. Uh, they've just qualified really well and then not been able to convert that into uh, you know success when it mattered most. Yes, I'm going with the exact same order, same reasons. I mean, Alex Plo, unbelievable month. 
Felix Rosenquist, like I said earlier, has had a quiet, good um, run up to the 500. Renus VK, I just feel like he he knows how to qualify that car really well, but just doesn't know how to put it together come race day and is more likely to be wreckers than checkers um, this this Sunday. So give me Polo, Rosenquist, then VK. There you have it. That's our full field breakdown of the starting grid. Um, pretty, uh, pretty impressive field, really close this year. There's a lot of good picks out there. So, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be anyone's race. And as we uh, move on here, we're finally going to get into our Indianapolis 500 race predictions. Uh, first we're going to start out with a little over under, we're going to mix, mix things up. We're not going to leave any stone unturned when it comes to race day predictions. So I wanted to start uh, with a little over-under. Uh, over-under cautions, five and a half. Uh, in 2022, there were six cautions, two in 2021. And then in 2020, there were seven, just to give you a brief little history of the last few years. I'm going under here. Uh, there has been more than five cautions in a race all season. The most was five at Texas, the lone other oval on the schedule so far. The last time there was more than five yellows was back last August at Nashville, which is, I mean, that's being a street course race, it's pretty pretty insane. Shows the attrition that you see at Nashville uh, where the uh, yellow flag flew eight times. So I'm going to say it's gonna be, it's probably going to be like, if it's going to be under, it's probably going to be exactly five. Uh, but that's uh, but that's where I've got it there. I think it's I think it's going to be under. I think it's going to be a relatively clean race. But you could go the other direction too, just because of how close the field is and how much drivers are going to push once it gets to be twenty laps to go. You just took the words right out of my mouth. I'm going with the over, <laughs> just because of how close this field is and how tight the racing is going to be. Yeah, Texas only saw saw the most with five this year, but Texas the speeds there are just consistently high all the way throughout. Cars get a little bit more spread out, but cars tend to get loose a lot easier. Um, this race, there's going to be a lot of heavy racing, man. The, these, this is going to be a heck of a race. And if it, if it's an under, if I'll say this, if it's the under of the cautions, this could go down as probably one of the shortest time-wise Indy 500s with just how fast the entire field is. So, I I think from a fan perspective. Um, the cautions do help. They, you know, make things really interesting. Um, so I'm going with the over just from a fan perspective in the area of keeping things interesting. Cause if it goes, if it gets too spread out with no cautions, then things get so stretched and it's just kind of like, then you see an, an instance, like when Scott Dixon won his first, he kind of just ran away with it. And you're just like, eh, Okay. Very anticlimactic. Uh, so, uh, higher cautions bode for better racing, and better racing breeds more cautions. So, I'm giving me the over. Looking at lead changes, I've got the over under 29 and a half. There were 38 last year, 35 two years ago, and then 21 in 2020. Um, I'm going to go with the over, which maybe kind of contradicts how many cautions I think there are going to be because of the fact there's going to be so much passing. Uh, the field's super close. Um, I know Polo is at a dominant month, which, I mean, that's all another cog in this is that like there is a chance that he could just kind of 
get ahead early and not really relinquish the lead and do kind of what he did at the GMR Grand Prix. Um, but there are a lot of drivers I could see winning on Sunday. It is a really close field. Um, over the past five years, aside for 2020, the amount of lead changes has been right around 30 or over. Um, so I think it's going to be another like high, high intensity, a lot of lead change type of race. Yeah, give me the over for sure on this one. This one's easy money because, look, yeah, time like speed-wise, time-wise, this is really a, a really close field, but that has nothing to do with it in the end for the lead changes. What's going to be a, a, a factor here is fuel mileage. With these cars, they – yeah, it's great being out front. It It's great. You like being out front. However – it wreaks havoc on your fuel mileage. You cannot stretch your pit stop, your pit run, your runs, very long when you're out front because you you're not getting the drag or getting the pull from the car in front of you. It's all, I mean, it it it, it just, just doesn't work out. So that's why we see so many lead changes because these guys are more apt to give up the lead over and over again just to be able to stretch their fuel mileage. Um, that's why you see it like somebody gets out to such a commanding lead and all of a sudden they fall back and it's like, Oh, then they get past. It's like, Whoa, what happened to their car? Nothing happened to their car. They just were told, Hey, you are way too far ahead. You're burning too much fuel, fall back, get behind and save some of that fuel. Let the other guy go out there and burn his fuel mileage. So Give me the over. It's easy. I think I'm thinking we're going to see closer to what we saw last year, if not even higher than that, just because of how important fuel is. Yeah, I remember there was a couple a couple of years that it was like Frankini and Dixon where they were like, "Hey, we're just they gonna just trade it back yeah, and forth, right?" Because they're like, "Hey, we need to we need to both stretch the mileage there." All right, going into our rookie of the year, dark horse, and actual race, uh, who we think is going to win. Um, so my rookie of the year. Um, give me Benjamin Peterson. Uh, you know, we went into qualifying weekend looking for a rookie to catch our eye, uh, and it's uh, no surprise. Uh, so it's no surprise that this year's crop of rookies has been underwhelming so far. Sorry, a little rude to the rookies, but it's true. They haven't really oh, stood it out. It is. Um, you know, and, um, you know, Benjamin well, It's Peterson. also hard. It's hard to overlook, like, when some rookie classes in the past have had Roman Grosjean, Jimmy Johnson. It's like, yeah. and now, now it's on you. It's like, Benjamin Peterson. Stingray Rob, and it's like, oh, Stingray Rob. I I don't know anything about Stingray Rob, but right. what a cool name! Right, exactly. Um, and yeah, and not only did Benjamin Peterson, you know, emerge as uh, you know, the the favorite from this crop of rookies, but he knocked down the freaking door. Uh, he starts eleventh. He was fast all qualifying weekend. We talked about his glow up earlier in the episode. He was eighth in practice again on Monday, and I think he's got the tools to have a really strong race and and have a really good rookie campaign. Yeah, I mean. Pretty much all he has to do is just run consistent, run solid, and he will be the highest finishing rookie and run away with the rookie, the Indy 500 Rookie of the Year trophy. So that's an that's an easy one, just because of where he qualified and compared to where all the other rookies qualified. It's like just keep it clean. Don't yeah. don't 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 try to push it too much. Don't risk it, and you'll come home with a great finish and an awesome opportunity for your team. 
Now, in years past, I, I've reserved my dark horse or my race winner pick, and I've done some like digging and deep dives on on what the date means and what car numbers done this oh, or boy. that. Uh, I didn't do as much of that this year, but I still like when I was writing it down. I was like, I, I still like, I still want to keep some of that tradition alive. I'm gonna find a way every year that I can uh, to kind of come up with a with a conspiracy theory. If I'm not Charlie Day. You know, picking out conspiracy theories on on the on the whiteboard or the uh, the 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 corkboard, then uh, there's something wrong. But when I look at my dark horse, I'm looking at the driver of the number 14 AJ Foyt machine, uh, Santino Ferrucci. Uh, the last six 500s have been won from the first three rows. Uh, this year's 500 is um, on May 28th. Six of those races have, uh, or th- um, the last five races run on May 28th have been won from fifth or higher the gri- on the grid. So we're looking at someone um, at the front, which ob- seems obvious. And you might say, Craig, how can a dark horse be fifth or higher in the lineup? Pelot obviously isn't a dark horse. We've talked about VK and Rosenquist struggles on the on race day award, and the McLarens have been good all month. And then there's Santino Ferrucci, who's been fast all month, held the pole for a bit on Sunday. He's finished uh, top 10 uh, in every 500 he's competed in. Also, a little added tie-in, a little added, you know, Charlie Day here. Uh, two In two of A.J. Foyt's four Indy 500 wins, he came from fourth on the grid. And the guy just Ooh. has a lot of swagger to him. I mean, uh, his hairdo kind of reminds me of Patrick Mahomes a little bit. Um, I was thinking uh, too. I was like, you know, he he was on the scene last year with the uh, with the you know dry, filling in the screaming Sicilian car. He had like the tinted uh, windscreen, which was really cool. Um, and then this year, he's just he's got a lot of swagger. I was like, you know, as Tony Kanaan retires, I was like, who's gonna take over as as my uh, favorite driver? Because it's it's kind of weird when you know you have a favorite driver growing up, and then that driver like stays driving until like you're thirty, and then you're like, who do I pick at thirty? As my favorite IndyCar driver, it might just be Santino Ferrucci. The guy's got a lot of swagger. He's got a he lot does. of he's got a lot of bravado. I think he's going to have a good run. That's why he's my dark horse for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, I, I went with Santino Ferrucci as well. Um, look, on the track, man, he is a heck of a driver. He's proven it time and time again. You know, finishing no worse than no, he had never finished outside of the top ten at the Indy 500. And but off the track, he's so unassuming. Like fun, funny story. Like my buddy Pat and I were walking along pit road one time, and my buddy is a huge Connor Daly fan, and saw Connor, and because Connor earlier that day it rained, my buddy's Connor Daly hat got wet, trying to get Connor Daly to sign it. Connor said, "Hey, come find me later. Let the hat dry a little bit." Hat's dried. He sees him, and he's like, "Connor, my hat's dry. Can you sign it now?" And he walks like right up next to and is yelling to Connor Daly right next to Santino Ferrucci. And I'm like, Oh, Hey Santino, a uh, great run out there today. Um, you know, he's just very unassuming and probably the, the tiniest guy mm-hmm. in the entire field, if I have to say, um, but man, can he drive? And the thing is you put him in any kind of car and he's driving well. I mean, he, he runs Xfinity series as well on road courses. It's like, okay. We see you, Santino. You just you just like racing cars. Um, and he comes from an area of the country that's not extremely well known for producing race car drivers. And he's from Connecticut, for goodness sakes. Um, but yeah, I, I love Santino Ferrucci. I think he's 
he's got as great of a shot as anybody to win this race. I mean, I don't even know if you can call him a dark horse. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we both picked the same dark horse. It's hard not to with him, but I guess if you had to, if I had to look at somebody else, just kind of real quick, I, I guess I would, I would look at a, at a Connor Daly who, you know, didn't qualify well, but has had success with, has led a lot of laps at IMS here the past few years. So Connor Daly has as good of a shot as anybody as well, I think, in the dark horse category. But still, give me Santino Ferrucci. Now, looking at who we think is going to win the Indianapolis 500, who's going to win the whole darn thing and be drinking the milk on Sunday afternoon? Uh, to sound I'm like a... nobody picked chocolate milk. Yes. Nobody picked chocolate milk. No. And we, I think this is the first time we recently we haven't had somebody that's lactose intolerant and had to pick orange juice. Interesting. I look. I looked at the the list, and there was no orange juice this year. There has been in the years past. Yeah, there has been. Uh, and also, like, sad for chocolate milk, man. Chocolate milk. Well, okay, off top, like, not not off topic, but what milk would you choose? Honestly, okay, for next year, log that away because that's a good question. I wish I would. <laughs> I wish you would have thought of that for part of a part of the segment. But I mean, I think I would go. I would. I think I would go chocolate milk because that's I think my favorite of the milks. Um, I you know especially like it's funny. So um, you know when I was a kid, um, you know for like meals and stuff, like you know my parents, my dad would make me, um, you know a glass of chocolate milk with like the Her- the Hershey's chocolate syrup and the milk. I I, I don't need to explain it to you. Y'all know how it's made. Um and, <laughs> and wait, it's not wait. made from brown cows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. what, are you, what are you trying to say here? Uh, um and and then like uh, after a while, like I was like, hey, can um. Not, I mean, I don't know why, but I, I started being like, hey, can we also buy, like, the Dean's chocolate milk as well? Because that's what we had at school. Um, and so, like, and then, like, after a while, like, I, st- I stopped drinking chocolate milk altogether. And then, like, I've really gotten back into, whereas I've, li- you know, gotten back into liking chocolate milk and drinking it more. I've been like, I do like just the chocolate syrup in the milk, you know, pretty simple stuff. But, yeah, I think I think I would go chocolate milk, and I would make sure, like, hey, none of that none of that Dean stuff, none of that store-bought stuff. Give me the chocolate syrup. Give me the milk. Both store-bought. I get it. But, uh, you know, I, I think I'd go chocolate milk there. Yeah, I, I would go chocolate milk as well, just because when I look at the, the tradition of the pouring of the milk, like, I think back to when R- Will Power won the race, and it was, like, the hottest Indy 500 on record. And when I see that, and like how just how sweaty he was, and just how I mean, it was miserable that day. It makes me think of Anchorman when he's trapped in the, um, <laughs> and it's so hot, he's milk trapped in the phone booth, and his milk was a bad choice. <laughs> That's all I think about, and I'm like, I mean, all uh, chocolate milk wouldn't be much better, but I think I would have to go chocolate milk as well if that wasn't an option for me. Uh, I'll go good old like fashion. Two percent. However, however, I have heard whole milk. Whole milk gives that good look for for, for the photographs because uh, it's thicker, a little bit thicker. So when you pour it all over your face and all over your head and everything, it has a better consistency for better photos of you in victory circle. I- so. Based on that, I mean, you want the you want a good iconic photo, so I guess you go whole milk. You don't have to drink it. I think somebody said, "Hey, look, I don't like milk. I don't plan on drinking it, but I will pour it all over myself. I, I just I won't drink it." So hey, there we go. 
Yeah. Hey, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I think chocolate milk is, is the clear play there. I'm, I'm glad. But yeah, I mean, I didn't even know that about the whole milk. So something to keep in mind for sure. For Trevor's like, wait, I don't, like you said, don't want to drink it, but let's, let's look good doing it. Um, yeah. Back so, on topic. <laughs> so as far as the Indy 500 champion, you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Polo is the favorite. There's a lot of reasons to pick him. However, I'm going with a driver who's finished higher and higher with every Indy 500 start. He started 15th in uh, 2020, finished 6th. He started 12th and then finished 4th in 2021. Started 7th and finished 2nd last year. He starts 5th this year, and there's no reason to think he can't keep the the trend of improvement going. Uh, He's got lots of motivation uh, to get the win after last year. He was so close. McLaren's celebrating their 60th birthday with special liveries to 500, so he's got a lot of added uh, motivation to go along with just obviously simply wanting to win the greatest race in the world. Uh, Give me Pato Award. Um, also, uh, we saw a driver having the best month. Um, we, you know, we see a driver having the best month who had a qualifying, uh, who we, sorry, we had a driver who having the best month who also had a record qualifying run miss out, um, on the prize last year. Uh, we saw Dixon have this incredible month. He missed out. I'm going to go ahead and zag again this year and go away from Alex below just because of that. Um, so give me Pato Award for all the reasons I mentioned earlier, and also what a story. He's five Indy 500s removed from being bumped, and then five years later he wins the whole darn thing. I, I'm I'm rooting for Pato Award on Sunday. Give me him to win the greatest spectacle in racing. Yeah, Pato Award is a, is a, he's a great pick, um, but I'm going with another Aero McLaren car, and I'm kind of going with the uh, potential feel-good story. Um, you know, you you love the good like the Indy 500. It, there's a lot of emotion behind it, and this driver just loves Indianapolis, loves the fans, loves the tradition, loves just everything about it, and was probably one of the coolest moments when he won it for the very first time. That driver is Tony Kanaan. Um Goes right in line with, you know, McLaren celebrating their 60th anniversary, all that. Um, But what a way to go out. What a way to go out for your last race as a a champion of the Indy 500, winning it for the second time. uh, And get another opportunity to have that big nose put right on the side (laughs) of the Borg Warner Trophy. And he'll say it himself, that, you know, biggest nose on the trophy. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. I just... My, you know, yeah, your head tells you Paddle Award or Alex Pillow easily. It's one of those two. Those two, I mean, from what we've seen from Pillow this month, what we've seen from Award last year and what he's done so far this month. But something in my gut just says, keep an eye on Tony Kanon. This, this is as good of a chance as he's had, I think, since he's won it. And that's that's tough to say because he raced for Ganassi. Yeah. for so long and you race for Andretti in their heyday yeah and it's just like I just 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 feels like a Tony Kanon year I don't know I mean I don't know why and I mean exactly but, 10 years after he won his first too which is pretty cool yeah so there we go down the rabbit hole but yeah give I, me give me Tony give me Tony Kanon look I mean and honestly put it that's what a, I mean, like I said, just what a way to put a, an exclamation mark on an outstanding career to, to become to cap it off as a two time Indy 500 champion, 
at a place you just love so much for a historic racing wise, maybe not Indy car wise, but racing wise for such an historic team. Um, what a cool opportunity for Tony Kanon. So I say he comes home victorious on Sunday. Hey, I'm a little jealous because that's my my dri- my favorite driver I from know. IndyCar. So I mean, I'm glad somebody picked him. I wasn't I wasn't so sure if I wanted to, but yeah, love that feel good story. If he were to able if he were able to cap off his uh, career with a win at the Indy 500, man, that would be really cool. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. We previewed the Indy 500. We've given you all the tools you need. Now it's time for you guys to go enjoy the race. Uh, remember you can like us on Facebook 3C Media over there go follow us on Twitter at 3C Media Sports if you're not already on the YouTube channel go over there hit subscribe ring the bell also head on over to TikTok and give us some love there as well and remember you can listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify wherever podcasts can be heard you can hear the Crash Course Podcast you can find me at Crash Course FM on Twitter B Scott where can they find you find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87 We'll be here next week to recap the greatest spectacle in racing. But until then, have a good week, everybody. Enjoy your Memorial Day and enjoy the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500.